day to all of our moms. And so I know we have a couple, we had a bunch of moms um, in the nine o'clock service. There were tons of babies in the room. Um, they're all heading to naps. Um, I mean the babies, but probably the moms as well. Um, but we know we have a couple of moms uh, who are with us right now also, and a lot of moms online and moms represented in the room. And so we want to big, give a huge Mother's Day to all of our moms. Think about my wife, Jeanette, and how much she means to me and just how much she holds our family together. So happy Mother's Day to her. I know that my mom, one of the beauties of us being online for the last year is that my mom in Indiana, I know she's at church, she's watching every Sunday. And so happy Mother's Day to my awesome mom. Um, for all of our moms, we have a gift that we want to give to you. And so we have these cool tote bags that we made. Um, what better way to acknowledge mom but giving you a bag to help you carry all of your family's stuff. Um, and so uh, this is for you and we'll have them in the, um, at the welcome table after service. And we know, again, that a lot of our moms are having to watch online. And so we will get these to you, either dropping them off at your house or um, mailing them to you. So just to know that you, you didn't have to be here to receive. Uh, but just in thinking about Mother's Day and all that Mother's Day means uh, to all of us and the varying degrees of what Mother's Day can mean to many of us, uh, we want to acknowledge that with a few things. And so we have two videos we're going to show you back to back. One of them is uh, a bunch of our a special thing for our moms. The second one is that Debbie Park, who's been coming to our church for a long time, she spoke in the 9 o'clock service just speaking toward, uh, to all the women in our church. Uh, she wasn't able to stay for the 11 o'clock service, so we recorded what she said in the 9 o'clock, and we're going to be playing that. And so first video uh, for our moms, and then right after that, we'll have a video from Debbie. I love you, Mom. I love you, Mommy. Happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother Day, Mommy. I love you. I love you. I'm eating ice cream. I'm nice, clean. I love you, Mommy. Happy Mother Day, Mommy. I, I love you. Hi, Mommy. I love you so much. Have a great Mother's Day. Mama Day. Say bye bye. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and just thinking about uh, not only our moms in our church, but all the women in our church, we've asked Debbie to come up and just share for a little bit. Good morning. Um, the more experienced mom couldn't be here, so Bobby settled for a mom of three months. <laughs> so <laughs> bear with me. Um, my name is Debbie. I'm um, Garrett's wife and Maeve's mama. Um, and I just wanted to share with you <clears throat> a poem that Bobby has read in past Mother's Day services that's really resonated with me throughout the years. I've uh, been coming to this church for about 10 years. Um, so this is called The Wide Spectrum of Mothering by Amy Young. To those who gave birth this year to their first child, we celebrate with you. To those who lost a child this year, we mourn with you. To those who are in the trenches with little ones every day and wear the badge of food stains, we appreciate you. To those who experience loss through miscarriage, failed adoptions, or running away, we mourn with you. To those who walk the hard path of infertility, fraught with pokes, prods, tears, and disappointments, we walk with you. Forgive us when we say foolish things. We don't make, mean to make this harder than it is. To those who are foster moms, mentor moms, and spiritual moms, we need you. To those who have warm and close relationships with your children, we celebrate with you. To those who have disappointment, heartache, and distance with your children, we sit with you. To those who lost their mothers this year, we grieve with you. To those who experienced abuse at the hands of your own mother, we acknowledge your experience. To those who've lived through driving tests, medical tests, and the overall testing of motherhood, we are better for having you in our midst. To those who are single and long to be married and mothering your own children, we mourn that life has not turned out the way you long for it to be. To those who step-parent, we walk with you on these complex paths. To those who envisioned lavishing love on your grandchildren, yet that dream is not yet to be, we grieve with you. To those who will have emptier nests in the upcoming year, we grieve and rejoice with you. And to those who are pregnant with new life, both expected and surprising, we anticipate with you. This Mother's Day, we walk with you. Mothering is not for the faint of heart, and we have real warriors in our midst. We remember you. So as I said, I've um, been in this church a long time. I've sat through many Mother's Day services wondering <clears throat> when and if I'd ever be here as a mom on Mother's Day. Um, after college, I didn't get married for a while, and um, I wondered if God would give me a spouse. I um, sat through Mother's Day last year online uh, in really the depths of despair um, after experiencing loss through mis um, miscarriage. My first pregnancy ended in miscarriage January 2020. Uh, little did I know I was actually pregnant with Maeve last Mother's Day. Um, but wherever you are on the spectrum of motherhood, women are under a tremendous amount of pressure to place our identity in a lot of different, um, different things, in being a mom and being a wife and being a good employee and being a good friend. Um, there's a lot of pressure, <clears throat> but only really when we put our identity in Christ do we realize that we have nothing to prove. We are loved unconditionally. I love that baby unconditionally. And just as I love her um, 
and there's nothing that she could do to make me love her less. There's really nothing that we can do to make God love us less. We literally exist because of his love. We are because he loved. So let us live in his love today. Happy Mother's Day. Thank you. in my mind that say I'm not enough Every single lie that tells me I will never measure up Am I more than just the sum of every high and every again just who I am because I need to know and you say I am loved when I can't feel a thing you say I am strong when I think I am weak you say I am held when I am falling short Say I am yours. 
say about us. We are grateful for what you say about us. We are grateful for the truth that you speak to us. We're grateful that you say you love us. We're grateful that you say you care about us. We're grateful that you say you will give us help, that you will be present, that you understand everything that we're going through. God, I pray that you would help us to receive your love. I pray that you would give us courage to accept what's true about you and what you say about us. God, for those who, um, this is a difficult day, God, we pray for an awareness of your presence, an awareness and a, a deep experience of your peace and your love for them. God, I pray that you would um, remind us of the fact that you understand and you feel with us and that you care. God, we pray for our moms. We pray for uh, that you would let them be aware of our appreciation, of the love that you have, the strength that you want to provide. For the little ones that we have, for the little ones we're waiting on, God, we pray, God, that you would just continue to move and bless us and make us aware of who you are. As we open your word now, God, I pray that you would speak to all of us, God. I pray that you would let us see the truth of your love pursuing us, wanting relationship with us, showing us where a mother's heart comes from. God, I pray that you would encourage and guide and direct us this morning in a way that only you can do. It's in your name we pray, amen. Well, we are actually starting a new preaching series today. And to get us going on it, I posted on my social media account, uh, Facebook account the other day, this question. I asked people, what was the strangest or weirdest rule that your mom had for you growing up that you both look back and laugh about now? And so kind of thinking about the series that we're having and in light of Mother's Day, I thought this was a great question. And at last count, as of this morning, there was over 60 responses to this. I can't share all of them to, with you right now, but it does show that this is something that hit a nerve with a lot of people. Um, we all have that moment, I guess, or that thing from childhood. But let me share with you, I, could, I can't share them all, but here's some really good ones. One person said, with my mother, if my brother and I we're going to argue we were only allowed to call each other spaghetti brain and marshmallow head. That's good, I guess. Uh, another one, oldest gets to sit in the front seat. Uh, I actually think that's an amazing rule, and I think that it should be the same for all the time, but I say that also as the oldest. Um, someone said, had to mix sugary cereal with a healthy one. So, for example, half Cocoa Puffs with half Cheerios. Um, however that works, um, wash the tops of pop cans before drinking out of them because rats pee on them. Um, I don't understand that, but there you go. Um, I couldn't ride the demon at Great America because of demons. <laughs> uh, personal favorite one because that's a friend of mine and I know his mom. Um, we were always told that playing with fire would make us pee the bed. Uh, we weren't allowed to break dance. I wasn't allowed to have t-shirts with descriptors like too cute or pretty on them because, as mom said, if you have to say it on a shirt, it probably isn't true. <laughs> Savage. Um, save all price tags from any clothes purchased for tax purposes. 
And then there were a lot of TV shows that people were not allowed to watch. Mom banned. And these were like said multiple times. For example, no watching Caillou, which as a parent, I can firmly get behind that one. Uh, Teletubbies, Barney, The Simpsons, a lot of Simpsons, He-Man, The Smurfs, A-Team, which is really unfortunate, MTV, and of course, Spongebob. All of these were banned. And so in seeing all of these TV shows that were said we couldn't watch these, this last one was perfect because this person said, my mom banned me from watching cartoons at seven years old, so I just made up for it in the last four years at college. Now you hear these, and I'm sure that you can think of your own, those things that you experienced what you, growing up, and we don't always grasp the idea behind them. I know that even when I posted this, my mom, uh, she responded, okay, Bobby, what's yours? And I conferred with my sister on this, and the reality is, is the weird rule for us was we weren't allowed to sit in the, on the furniture in the living room. That was the nice furniture. We could go in the TV room, we could go downstairs, there was furniture down there, but none of us were allowed to sit on the nice furniture in the living room, which I still don't, to this day, don't understand why. And so that was our weird role with my mom, or at least the only one I'm going to mention on camera publicly. Um, some of these, though, it's like, why do we have them? I mean, why no breakdancing? And the washing pop cans thing does seem a little weird. Whether they made sense or not, whether they were actually logical or not, they were always connected to our relationship with them. Our moms were trying to protect us, to provide for us, to teach us, or something. Again, I don't know if they were always understanding, but they still, something was going on there. But they were never simply rules just for the sake of rules. There was more to them, we hope. And in a way, this is what we need to understand, this kind of idea, when we come to an incredibly important part of Scripture, the Ten Commandments. This is probably one of the most popular parts of the entire Bible. Someone who's never read the scriptures at all at any point in their life probably has heard of the Ten Commandments. They might not be able to mention all of them, but they can probably name a couple. Someone may think, say, say about them, thinking about them, yeah, that religious stuff, it's all just a bunch of rules. But like our parents' rules when we were younger, we could say something like, yeah, there were these things that they told us to do. I don't understand why. Some of them make sense, but some of them are just kind of weird. But the truth is, the Ten Commandments is an incredibly important part of Scripture. Central, core, foundational, and their message is something that today we desperately need to grasp and heed. To understand them simply as a list of rules is to drastically miss their purpose. To see them simply as a bullet pointed out moralistic principles is to miss their depth. To take them as simply God being all about rules is to drastically miss their point. In fact, I would say to you that if we could understand the Ten Commandments, how they fit into the story of the Bible, what they're for and what they're trying to accomplish, we'll see 
the amazing message of God's love for people and his desire that we would know life with him. And so starting today and going into the summer, we're going to be doing just that, looking at this amazing part of the scriptures which shows us God's better way. Next week, we're going to start going through them one at a time. But today is meant to get us in the right frame of mind about them, that we would think about them correctly. Um, Like I said, we can't just see these as a moralistic list. We have to understand how they fit within the story of the Bible and what God is doing. And so today's introduction for the series to come and really to get our minds around what, how do the Ten Commandments fit into everything and what are they for? And to really understand how they fit into everything, we have to go back toward the beginning of Genesis where we understand and see this. God is creating a people who will join him in what he is doing. God is creating a people who will join him in what he's doing. Genesis 12, the first couple of verses there say this. The Lord had said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Here we see God initiating conversation with Abram. God coming to Abram. After sin had entered the world in Genesis Genesis 3, breaking creation and breaking humanity's relationship with God, God didn't want us to be lost within that reality. And so he went to work to restore us and creation. And he starts with Abram. He's going to make a nation out of him. He's creating a people from this one person. And all of the peoples on earth will be blessed through the people that God is creating through Abram. This plan to restore the relationship between God and humanity and God's system of revealing himself to humanity begins right here in Genesis 12 with the covenant. Covenants were central. This is a central concept in biblical times and what we see happening in Genesis and how the Ten Commandments fit into everything. Covenants bound people together. Think of a couple getting married who exchange vows with one another. That isn't just some arbitrary, just maybe we'll, maybe we'll add this thing to the ceremony. No, that's what it's all about. That's the central part. That's like what we're coming to see and what they're coming to do is this moment where this couple commits to one another, covenants with one another, binds themselves to one another. And this moment when they do that is not just this moment in time, but it's the first moment of their relationship where this moment influences every moment after it. It influences and it defines everything as far as who they are how they'll be toward one another, how they'll live their lives is in relationship to this relationship, the covenant that they've made. And so we get that with marriage, bring that to what's happening here with Abram and the covenant. 
One type of covenant in the Old Testament was an agreement between somebody of a higher status with different people, subjects, servants, whoever they were. The covenant granted a special status for people. And, when they were, and then they are to maintain their allegiance to the ruler, to the one who's sovereign. What happens when people are bound together within a covenant relationship? Well, scholar John Walton explains what happens when, we, when Abraham, when we are in, Israel is in covenant with him. That through the covenant, God allowed the people to participate in his purposes. What God is doing in the world, his plans and his purposes for the world, for creation and humanity, come be a part of this. And the way that they could was because of this covenant that they had with one another. The covenant, in the covenant, God revealed himself to people. This is who I'm like. This is what I'm about. In the covenant, God prepared people so that he could be with them, so that he could dwell in their midst. Through the covenant, God guided them how to live and how to maintain his, his favor and his presence. And so you think about it, the covenant is doing all of this. It is drastically important for us to grasp this. God didn't lead into his plans with, for humanity with a list of laws. He started, he led in with relationship, with covenant. He started with his heart toward people. I hope you know this today. I hope you grasp this today. God wants to be in a relationship with you. God wants you to know him, to be connected to him, to be bound to him, in relationship to him, to allow him to care for you, to guide you, to be your God and that you would be his son or daughter. This, anything that we say, everything that we say about the Ten Commandments has to be connected to this understanding or we misread them. We misunderstand them. They are part of this relationship, this covenant relationship. God is making a people to join him in what he's doing. And his way of making that happen is through the covenant. That takes us to the second thing that we need to understand what's happening with these laws. To be the people, these commandments, to be the people of God is to be the people of God. For us to be the people of God, we have to go and be the people of God. God initiates a relationship with people through covenant and that gives us an identity, a new identity. For them to be in a covenant with God means that they saw themselves how I see myself. They saw themselves as God's people. And how they saw God was that's our God. And so how they saw one another defined the relationship and how they saw themselves defined their lives. This wasn't just a title. This wasn't just a membership card. This wasn't just a certificate on the wall. This is who they were. And so John Walton, again, he says this, talking about the ten. He says, the ten are focused on directing Israel to construct an identity as the people of God. It provides information about the shape of the covenant community, both in terms of how the people interact with Yahweh 
and in terms of how they interact with one another. If, if God is forming this covenant relationship, the Ten Commandments are showing us how to be in relationship with God and how to be in relationship with one another. They're showing us, here's what the identity you have within, with him, how that looks like now. And so the reality is, is that God's character never changes. Even though these, are, these were guidelines and this was a law that was established for ancient Israel, even though there are parts of it that we don't formulate our lives around now, this section though represents God's character. And we can construct our identities and our communities around it as well. So we have to understand what it's doing and trying to accomplish. To be the people of God means we pattern who we are after him. That is why I think this is so important for today. This is why this is so vital for us to understand. This is why it's not just some dusty stuff from the past that's irrelevant. It is incredibly irrelevant, is incredibly relevant for us today. That we pattern who we are after God. We are not to pattern our identities after our status as Americans. We are not to pattern our identities based on political affiliations, gender, race, sexuality, ethnic backgrounds, economic status, or anything else that our culture holds dear. Not that these are bad things, but if we are God's people, we are first and foremost God's people. That is our identity. And we see all of those things I mentioned through who we are in him. We don't see God through these secondary things. Again, none of it's bad, but we have to see what reigns supreme, what we identify ourselves, what we pattern who we are after. So when we think about this law section of Scripture, one of the most central parts to consider is Leviticus 18 and 19. Because God said to the people who were receiving this law, the law not just like the law, but ethic, how to live, how to be the people of God. He says to them in Leviticus 18, The Lord said to Moses, Speak to the Israelites and say to them, I am the Lord your God. You must not do as they do in Egypt, where you used to live, and you must not do as they do in the land of Canaan, where I'm bringing you. Do not follow their practices. You must obey my laws and be careful to follow my decrees. I am the Lord your God. Keep my decrees and laws, for the person who obeys them will live by them. I am the Lord. Don't be like the culture where you're coming from and don't be like the culture where you're going. Do the things I've told you to do. And he makes that really clear in chapter 19. He says, speak to the entire assembly of Israel and say to them, be holy because I, the Lord your God, am holy. That is the central principle of this entire thing. Everything that we're going to be talking about in this series and why it's so important and relevant for us today is we have to ask ourselves, what is holiness? What does it look like to be and fashion ourselves after God? 
not to be like this option in our culture, not to be like this option in our culture, but to be holy as he is holy. And this needs to be said in our world today, this is vital. Because to label yourself as conservative or liberal doesn't mean you're necessarily being holy. Holiness scripturally has to be our guiding light that we see everything else through. And when we put one of these other things in the driver's seat, we're going to crash and burn in our faith. We're going to misrepresent God and people are going to be confused about who he is and what's important to him. A a morally pluralistic culture bases how it lives on all these things I've listed off or simply based on the individual. To follow God is to not live that way. And if that makes us uncomfortable, if we don't like hearing that, we can't avoid it. We have to lean into it and say, God, show me you. God, make yourself real to me. Show me what holiness looks like and do not allow me to hide behind excuses like, this is making me uncomfortable. I don't want to talking about this. We shouldn't go there. We have to go here because this is what it means to be the people of God is to be holy as he is holy. This is incredibly important for who we are as people today. And when we think about being holy as he is holy, the law helps us be the people of God. Philip Ryken, he's a pastor and writer, he says that the law works as a map, a muzzle, and a mirror. It works as a map. It guides our conduct. Whether you're in the city or driving around a road trip or studying abroad, you need a map to figure out how to get from point A to point B. Even if it's someplace you're used to, sometimes you need a map. I mean, our family's driven to my mom's house in Indiana dozens of times in my life, but Jeanette and Bailey were going to be going there yesterday from a place, they haven't gone from the place they were going to my mom's before, and it was, I need the address, I need to look this up in the map. I need to say, here's where I'm going, so we can say, here's how you get there. Well, in the same way, this is what the law is doing. Here's where you are. You need to travel holy. You're trying to get to faithfulness, to holiness. And here's what that looks like. The law points us in the direction of God. I mean, look at, just look at one of the commandments. Do not commit adultery. This isn't just stating don't commit adultery. It's also giving a positive here. Be faithful. And why is it telling us to be faithful? It's telling us to be faithful because God is faithful. And so in every single one of the commands we can do this with, and we will, where each one points to, okay, this is what holy living looks like. And why is this holy living? Because we're following a holy God. And so this is what's to come. It's a map to help us how to live. It's also a muzzle to keep us from doing wrong. When we first got our dog, Darla, we had to put a harness on her. I don't think we ever fully did the full mouth thing, but we had a harness on her to pull her away from other dogs or pull her away from chewing on something or getting into something and um, protect her from others or protect others from her. And that's exactly what a, a muzzle on an animal does. The dog can't bite, so it protects the dog from causing harm. And no one will be bitten. It protects others from being harmed. The law is helping us see what is good and what isn't. What is holy 
and what is sin. And so by setting these understandings before us, we won't harm by our actions and no one will be harmed by the consequences of our actions. God doesn't want us to live with a whatever or anything goes mentality because that's complete foolishness. And so he even says to the Israelites, do not fear for God has come to test you that the fear of him may be before you that you may not sin. We have these to help us guide how to be more like God following that map, but also to restrain us from doing the things that go against his holiness. It's a map, a muzzle, but it's also a mirror. It shows us the reality of who we are. I mean, think of different places where you would see a mirror. Sometimes dance studios have a large mirror on one, not that I know this from experience, but... And it helps show somebody what they look like. Do they have the right form? Do they need to make adjustments? Uh, Think about a large mirror in a gym, helping people evaluate their form. Are they doing things correctly? Do they need to make adjustments? So think the mirror in the morning in the bathroom. Maybe not always the most glamorous moment, but it tells us what we have to work with. And so in every one of these situations, we see ourselves looking back for us, at us. And that's what the law is doing. The law points us to God. It reveals who he is, his character. But it also causes us to see ourselves. As we look to God with our eyes, we see ourselves through his eyes. And seeing him, we see the ways we are moving toward him faithfully. And seeing him, we see the ways we're not moving toward him faithfully. And seeing him, we see the ways that we desperately, desperately need him and that we can't do it alone. And this is really what the series is about, that we reflect on the depth of the reality of who God is and who we are before him and the better way that he has for us. This is why I think this is such an important series that I want to ask you to be a part of. But too often we see The church navigating life, finding their identity in other things, lesser things, and then justifying it by it's a matter of opinion or this is as close as I can get or we should be able to do what we want to do. When together we need to be asking ourselves, well, what does holiness look like? What does holiness look like? And so I'm going to ask you to stick with us for this series to do your best to be here and be present and be part of what we're going to be talking about with this series. I know a lot of our students are going to be heading back home, and if you have a church back home, by all means, be a part and be present there. But maybe you can get the app and listen through and be part of that, or if we discuss things online, be a part of that. If you're going to be out one week, don't miss these conversations because these are incredibly relevant for how we live for God today. To be the people of God We have to be the people of God. And the law shows us how to do that. We're going to end with this. That God makes the relationship possible and guides us along the way. As we close with this last point, we're going to receive communion together. And so if you're at home, if you want to grab uh, different, uh, whatever elements you have. uh, If you didn't know about communion, we had put this in the email that went out. And so if you're not getting the church emails, Please, um, if you're at home, that QR code that you see on the bottom left-hand corner, please scan that. 
and make sure we have your uh, correct uh, contact information so we can make sure that you're getting this and know what's going on. If you're here with us in the sanctuary, just to give you the quick coaching thing if this is your first time with us, there's two flaps on the top. There's a clear one and a silver one. Pull the clear one off first to get the wafer out, and then when we go to take communion, you can pull the silver one off for the juice. Before giving the people the Ten Commandments, God reminds him of what reminds them of what he has done. He says in Exodus 20, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. They were in captivity because of their own doing. The sins of the Tower of Babel are the, the consequences of the sins of the Tower of Babel. The ripple effect of that is slavery in Egypt. And so they are in captivity, but it was God who came to them. God who pursued them. God who made it possible for them to be rescued. For them to come into a new land. To be, have a new life. And so this prelude of the saving act of God leads not just into the Ten Commandments. It's a really unfortunate way to talk about these things. Because it's not actually part of a legal part of the whole law. It's actually part of a worship context. It's God speaking these ten words to them. These, we would call them, go back to the wedding analogy, these ten vows. This is the relationship I'm bringing you, and this is the relationship I want you to be a part of. And we should see them as vow-like, God defining the relationship that he has rescued us into. Israel did not do a great job of keeping this covenant, but God was great at keeping it. For all of their unfaithfulness, God has been perfectly faithful. And he told them he was going to do a new thing. He says through one of the prophets in Jeremiah, he says, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt because they broke my covenant, though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. This is my covenant I will make with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. I'm going to do a new thing, one that's not based on sacrifices in the temple and not based on these laws and all these different things. I'm going to do a new thing, and that new covenant, that new thing is going to be ushered in by Jesus. It says in Hebrews, under the old covenant, the, the priest stands and ministers before the altar day after day, offering the same sacrifices again and again, which can never take away sins. But our high priest offered himself to God as a single sacrifice for sins, good for all time. Then he sat down at the place of honor at God's right hand. Because of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, because of what he's done for us, not based on us keeping rules or laws, but by seeing and trusting in what he's done in our place, that what makes, is what makes us right before God. That's what restores us into a relationship with him. And because of that, we can come boldly to him. It says also in Hebrews, since we have a high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean, and our bodies have been washed with pure water. 
You know, after the Ten Commandments are given in Exodus 20, it says that the people were afraid and frightened and didn't want to go anywhere near the mountain. That Moses went up into the presence of God, but the people were freaked out by everything. But here, because of what Jesus is doing, we can go boldly up to God. We don't have to cower. We don't have to hide. Because of Jesus, we have access to God's presence. And so that's what we need to be reminding about. That's what communion reminds us. That because of his death and resurrection, we can have this relationship with God. And this new identity that we have in him guides us in how to live. The Ten Commandments just reflect all of that. And so we're going to receive communion to remind ourselves of God's loving sacrifice. We always take a minute before we do just to allow God to speak to our hearts, uh, to allow us to speak to him. Maybe you need to confess something. Maybe you need to be grateful for something. Again, maybe you just need to be quiet before him. Maybe in this moment you need to give your life to Jesus. He has done everything that needs to be done so that you can be in relationship with God. You just need to receive it. And so there's no list that you have to complete. There's no form you have to fill out. There's no permission you need to have granted. You need to come before God and just say, I acknowledge everything you've done in my place. God, forgive me of my sins. I believe in you. I am trusting you for life. And if you've never done that, then you don't need any of this. You don't have nothing to remember. You have something before you that you need to receive. And that's salvation in Jesus. And so wherever you're at right now in hearing this, let's be quiet before the Lord, and then we'll receive communion. And so God, speak to our hearts. Encourage us, Spirit, move in this place and at home. It's in your name we pray. Let's be quiet before him, and then we'll receive communion. If you're in here in the sanctuary with me, would you stand? If you're at home, you want to grab your elements. Let's pray together. God, we acknowledge your love for us. We acknowledge your death on the cross in our place. We acknowledge the empty tomb. Only you could win the victory over sin. Only you could conquer death. God, we are grateful for the life that you've given us, the new identity that we have in you based on our status as your children. God, I pray you would forgive us for the times we stray away, that we move to other things, 
God, I pray that we would pattern ourselves after you. God, I pray that you would make this church more and more in your image, our families more and more in your image, all of us more and more like you. Give us strength when we need it. Give us wisdom when we need it. Give us grace, peace, whatever it is. We know we can't do it without you, God. I'm so grateful for who you are and what you've done. It's in your name that we remember. Let's receive communion together. Jesus, we're grateful for your broken body, for your shed blood, for the cross and the empty tomb. Guide us in how to live within them. In your name we pray, amen. Hey, if you're with us in here, uh, if you just hold on to these, when service is over, there's a garbage can in the back. You can dump them back there. We're going to close with this last song as we think about the covenant relationship that God wants with us, all that he's done to make that possible. We so often fail. We so often mess up. But God is gracious and God is forgiving. But he is always faithful. He is a promise-keeping God. He is a covenant-keeping God. And so he is worthy of our worship. And so as a church family, let's worship him together right now.